Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of TFC, Thoughts, Feels, and Conversation. My name is Itumelindikove. And I am Bwipilo Wakakekana. And we are back. We are back. <laughs> we come back. We come back. Um, so fun fact. Oh, well, <laughs> you started early today. Fact. Okay. <laughs> Just want to welcome all our returning listeners, all our new listeners. Um, but I'm very excited. Not excited. I need to share this fun fact <laughs> that this is the second time we're recording this episode. And that is correct. And this is how much we love you guys. Yep. <laughs> when we are doing this. If only again. you knew the ungodly hour that we are recording it right now, because we were organized girls that recorded we like really very were. many we weeks ago because we knew that life was going to throw hands, right? So we planned, we did the recording, and then we lost a piece of the recording that we now literally cannot find anywhere, okay, <laughs> because technology. And so we are redoing this in the midst of life throwing hands at very ungodly hours. Because we recognize that this is a commitment we have made to the people of Thoughts, Fields, and Conversation. Absolutely. And also, we've mentioned this in our previous episode, but this is the last episode of the season. So, of Can course, we had to. You believe to it. This is the very last episode of season two. So, we've done literally two full seasons of TFC. And for those of you that maybe you are newer on the page, This is literally a podcast where we talk about our thoughts, our feels, and we create a conversation around it. Um, Yeah, we talk about anything and everything, you know. Um, We've spoken about, I can't even recall, we've spoken about cancer culture. We've spoken about the craziest things, really. Therapy, yeah, it's literally a wide range of topics that... um, people have suggested but also things that we find interesting so you are welcome on the journey welcome 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 Welcome. Um, but if you have listened to any of our episodes before you'll know that something that we do in every single episode is a check-in that's right um, where we just we share what's been on our hearts on our minds um so we better do want to tell us what's happening in your life I want to keep it 100 (laughs) with the people today, you know, on this today, I want to keep it 100 with the people and say, I have no idea. (laughs) No idea what's happening in your life. I have no idea what's on my mind. Like, I don't know. Not what's happening in my life. I mean, I would love to think that I'm there, you know, (laughs) but like, I don't know what's happening. Like, I actually have no mental capacity. So I actually, okay. I have no, do you know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I actually don't really know. Um, I, the mercies of God are literally new every morning for me at this stage. And I need them every morning mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I wake up and I'm like, <sighs> you know, and then mm. I, I, I remember that his mercies are new for the day and I, I receive the new mercies and I, I take them 
into the day mm-hmm. and I go into the day riding on those new mercies by the time I go to bed like I've depleted the mercies for that day and I need them again tomorrow <laughs> Hallelujah, sister. that's literally where I'm at I have no capacity to take people's phone calls I'm barely replying to, e- to people's um, text messages like it's taking me really long yeah I don't know Shem that's that's my real honest that's me in a nutshell so do you think like do you think you're gonna feel like this for the rest of the year or do you anticipate the energy boost coming sometime <laughs> you know i would love an energy boost i can't imagine what the boost would be from or what it would be mm-hmm. if that makes sense yeah. i wouldn't be mad at it um but as things stand i anticipate that this is going to be me for a little bit for a while i was actually interesting fact i was listening to um i randomly one of the one of the people i follow on my instagram went live yesterday right and they were having a conversation around like motherhood and things like that nothing that is directly applicable to me (laughs) but the conversation they were talking in the conversation briefly around the idea of 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 burnout in the Mm -hmm. in the context of the conversation they're talking about burn um burnout as a result of motherhood and all those things that come with that but I was like oh what if I'm burnt out (laughs) I don't know because I'm like I I don't recall year end fatigue ever being this rough like I don't recall myself be like I literally I was describing to someone that I'm like I'm down bad like I'm at the actual bottom um could I be burnt out who knows um yeah but that's I like I, I don't know I can't even tell you I can't even describe you know when you don't know and it's very unlikely as someone who processes their feelings day to day to day to day to day to not know you already know <laughs> it's very telling but yeah look it'd be like this sometimes that's true that's true It'd be like uh, this. Uh, It'd be like this. And when I miss Itwanindikobe, what's happening in your heart, in your um, mind, in your life? Well, other than the fourth quarter of fatigue, mm. um, my my thoughts and feels are actually about the podcast. Mm. Um, this weekend, um, I had a conversation with someone who doesn't know me really well, mm-hmm. but heard through a mutual friend that I have a pod- I have a podcast. Oh. And she was asking me. Um, so she knows me like she knows me in a specific setting. <laughs> in a specific setting. And um and so she was asking about the podcast and like what we talk about mm. and she was like really so I explained to her I'm like it's really about all the things and um and she was really keen to to listen and I I like I found myself having to like give so many disclaimers oh did you really, which was really but but just because of like the the perception I think she has of me you know um so I had to like be like uh explain that um 
um, my thoughts may not fit the mold <laughs> that mm-hmm. I think she created. And not that she's ever mentioned that she's created this mold or whatever, or has these ideas, but I thought that, um, that I had, I don't even know why. I don't, I actually don't know why. So after the conversation, I, I left the conversation feeling quite bummed. I was like, well, I don't even know why I had to make all those disclaimers. Mm. <laughs> and um, But also I think because um, I don't like when people make assumptions about me. Mm-hmm. So I wanted almost to to manage her expectations of my, specifically me, not necessarily the podcast, but mm. my, my thoughts and my feels. <laughs> and... Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, but and then um, during the week, I had a conversation with another friend mm. and we were talking about the previous episode, um, Prosperity Gospel. Mm-hmm. I and, forgot we did because, that. Yes. <laughs> and because we had recorded it such a while ago, um, I actually like, I couldn't engage in the conversation as much as I wanted to because I like I forgot some of the things that we had spoken about. So mm-hmm. I went back to listen to it. And I seldom listen to our podcast because listening to my own voice is not something I enjoy doing. Extreme um, I'm the opposite. I listen to our podcast. I tell Idu about what happened on the podcast. <laughs> I listen to it when it comes out. Just so you true. know the dynamic, yeah. Um, so I listened to the Prosperity Gospel uh, episode and I enjoyed it so much. I was like, well oh done. my goodness. I feel like this is the first time that you've listened to something and been like, yes. Yes, yes, it is. The first time. Usually oh. I listen to it, I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay, I love that for you. Well and done. It, yeah, so it was, it was a good, um, it felt good, especially after the conversation I had in, on the weekend where I was making all these disclaimers. Mm. And I was like, you know, maybe a little bit more liberal than you, than you think. <laughs> I think it's a very um, interesting thing. I feel like introducing people to TFC, you, it can be nerve-wracking, but also it depends where you know where what spaces the people know you in not that we not that we are like duplicitous and weird you know we say one thing in this space and we say another thing here um but for myself particularly although I am very opinionated I don't always feel the need to share my opinion um in every single space so Mm -hmm. I can I will very gladly keep it to myself I will very gladly listen to other people but on this platform, obviously, we share our, our opinions quite, you know, openly. Yeah. Um, and so that's, I think that's the little bit of apprehension for me is like, oh, you know, you're going to hear my opinions that maybe in those settings where we exist mm. with one another, I would have not said anything. I would have, you know, mm. yeah. Yeah. For me, I think it's, I'm the opposite. I'm, I think I'm very opinionated and I share my opinion <laughs> whether mm. someone asks or not um that, but that would I also, be true <laughs> I also um I think I appreciate having the ability to explain my my opinion mm. and I think that's, I struggled with that a lot in the beginning of the podcast because obviously I can't share all the things about 
everything that I believe or everything that I say and my reasoning and um, because I, I think that my my opinions and my thoughts are before I share them I I often need to have the term I've used on this podcast quite often is that I need to order my thoughts mm. and I feel that I need to I need to make sure that it makes sense to the person listening the way it makes sense to me mm. and um and I think that sometimes or the a fear that I have is sometimes things can be lost in translation on the mm. podcast and the, the fact that like people don't necessarily um, although like we are accessible on Instagram or like not everybody can quickly text me and ask me what do you mean or why do you think this way mm. or um, so I think um, with people that don't know me well to know what my core values are yeah um, I think it it yeah I think it, it makes yeah. it makes me nervous <laughs> with your opinions listening. out there yeah yeah. Also, without the context of your life and without the context of the journey yeah. that you've walked, yeah. and yeah. you know, yeah. without all those things, it does feel like we're throwing things out there. Um, and then people must just, you know, but I also don't yeah. think we are, I don't think we have like off the wall opinions, you know. I don't, yeah, yeah. So I, I yeah, but our fears, I guess, you know, are normal. But you said you were saying now, you know, we're accessible on Instagram and people can ask us questions. And immediately in my mind, I'm like, I'm not. Which <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> is so crazy, guys. Well, I, I, I do. <laughs> on the TFC one, one thousand percent. Um, like on the TFC account, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. One. No, that's what the, that's what I mean. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. It, but it made me think about my personal Instagram account and just oh, in okay. general. Something that I've actually been thinking about. I guess this can be, you know, in the segment, is like my introversion is intro. Hey, like I think sometimes I'm like, or people tend to think, because um, in certain I in certain spaces, particularly in my workspace, there is a it requires me to be a little bit out there, you know, and out there, not in like, but like conversations with people, you know what I mean? Like it, it requires me to be a little bit of a people's person. Right. But the way my introversion is set up guys, <laughs> let me I'm tell so you, sure I believe you. I'd be thinking about my introversion on a day-to-day basis. Like, can I, you, I can't believe you don't believe me. I still don't. I don't. I don't. <laughs> also, you are like in my tight circle of people. There's no way you're going to experience. Exactly. But, yes, yes. but here's the understand. thing as well. Here's the thing, right? I was having a conversation with someone. I probably, no, I probably shouldn't do this. This one I'm not going to do, but I'll tell you about another conversation that I had with someone, right? Because this one is still pending and all of those things. But anyway. <laughs> I was having a conversation with someone and they were talking to me about um, like, you know, what they've moved from somewhere else, um, another province. They're from here. They've moved somewhere else and they're back here, right? And so mm-hmm. it's been a little bit difficult for them to like integrate into any social circles, you know? Um, but this person is also extroverted. And so for them, it's like the biggest deal in the world. Um, and I don't mean that in a condescending way, but it means a great deal to them to be able to, you know, find the right community and things like that. 
in contrast to me, right? I grew up in Pretoria. Yes, I went to school in Johannesburg. I've lived in different, you know, I lived in Bloom. I lived in Sydney, all those things and I've come back. But I've had the same friends, <laughs> okay? Mm-hmm. My friends have been my friends for the most part. You know, there's been, I guess, new friends here and there, but hardly, right? But my friends have been my friends, let's say from about varsity, Okay. No matter where in the world I lived, no matter how long I lived away for when I came back, my friends are still my friends. Um, even though I feel like I easily can get along with people and, you know, have room for people in my life, I don't necessarily make new friends. <laughs> and this is what was making me, you know, the realization I was having when I was having a conversation with this person, they said to me, Um, Because I said, I'm not making, I'm not good at making new friends. And they said to me, well, are you closed off to it? I said, I'm not closed off to it, but I don't need it. So I don't seek it Mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. And I realized Mm -hmm. like, that's my whole life. I can, in as much as, because you always say like, people can relate to me so easily. We have a conversation, things like that. I'm all about that, right? I can totally do that. But I also realized that I am so closed off to like, like to the deepest depths. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I can relate and be incredibly authentic. Like it's not even a fake situation <laughs> yeah. when I talk to people or, you know, um, have these great conversations. You always say people feel seen and heard by me. I'm 1000% authentic, right? But I think what people on the other end of that don't realize is that there is this great wall of China inside of me, which <laughs> I, it's, it's not on purpose. Yes, I'm not keep, I'm not saying you are on the other side of the wall, but mm the way I am set up, the way my internals are wired, there is a great wall of China. We can, you know, kick it like, I don't know, best mates from I don't know where. But (laughs) there are those who are on the other side of the wall that have made it to the other side of the wall. Yeah. And there are those who are waiting on the other side, you know. And I think the the wall, I just can't. I think the good thing is that the people that are on the other side of the wall don't realize it. And I think maybe that's a gift that you have. And that's why people feel seen and known and heard by you because you don't, like, I feel like people think that they are proper mates with you, (laughs) you know? Shem, I don't think they're not. I just think like, I mean, they, they, you know, we, we're good. Hashem, I also don't intend for anyone to feel any type of way by me making these remarks. I'm just saying, like, the way my introversion wiring is set up, like, it's so very interesting to me. Like, yeah, it's very, very interesting to me. And I feel like now, especially in this burnt out season, I'm so very aware oh, yeah. because I was literally saying to a friend of mine, I'm like, I'm doing everything to protect my peace. So I literally cannot take anyone's phone calls. <laughs> like that's that's where I am. I literally cannot take anyone's phone calls. Maybe two, three people at most, you know, that I can get on the phone with mm-hmm. and be at ease. But every other time that my phone has rang, I have just looked at it and been like, I don't even know what I'm going to say. <laughs> but I am so deep within myself you know like I I need every single ounce of introversion like I can't I don't have the capacity to expend any energy to the external you know I need to just internalize absolutely everything and yeah so it's it's very very interesting to me um yeah I don't know how I got here 
but even with my Instagram, that's how I got here. I'm like with my Instagram, when people request me, this is weird. I know I apologize. I'm really, I don't, I'm not standoffish at all. I just have like this weird wiring inside my brain and my heart. When people request me, for me first, I'm like, if you don't know me, don't do it. You know, Mm -hmm. that's, that's weird. (laughs) Um, If you don't know me, don't do it. Um, Mm -hmm. But then people do it. And then when they do do it, I look and then I see if, you know, if we have mutual friends, who are the mutual friends? And sometimes it's like lots of mutual friends from like, let's say church or whatever, you know? So I know that this person, okay, probably exists in my church community, but I'm like, I actually have no idea who you are. <laughs> and then I'm actually anxious about that. So I can't accept. <laughs> interesting. Neither do I. I don't accept either, but I'm, all, I'm like that all the time. Yeah, I'm just like, mm, you know, if you don't know me, mm, that kind of thing. So I realized that I think also because of my introversion, because I'm so deeply, I don't want to have multiple, too many outputs, if that makes sense. Mm. So I protect my output. I get it. If that makes sense. But at this current juncture where I have like nothing left to give, Shame. The other day, one of my really good friends, like we've been friends since primary school, tried to give me a call and I just couldn't do it. <laughs> I watched it and I said, I can't. <laughs> I can't. Has it been rough. Calling back? Or do you think I have not. Back? I am still mustering the strength. <laughs> Every day since the phone call, since the missed call, I said, I'm going to call them back. I'm going to call them back. I'm going to call them back. It's been maybe three or four days. I am yet to, not even a message. I, I like the thing is also I'm gonna send a message and say what exactly. Say hey. I don't know. Actually, no. Let me. I was gonna. Let me not. <laughs> I don't know what you can say. I know. Also, this is starting to feel like us in our regular voice notes. So maybe we should return to regular <laughs> programming. <laughs> Guys, it talks me off many a ledge. Um, she helps me to manage my very deeply internal introverted life. Um, yeah. yeah, we're back. Here we are, TFC. That was our, our check in. has <laughs> given us a rundown of her life. Love it for us. Love it. And my mental state, which is at zero currently. Anyway. But I hope it gets better for it. I hope it gets better. Me um, too. But this episode, <laughs> um, I'm very excited about. Um, it's, oh? it's probably our most requested topic. I don't um, know why, but hey. Since the very beginning of TFC, like since season one, this has been the most requested topic. And that mm. is purity culture and absolutely and by the time you hear us say this you've seen the title (laughs) but yes yes. (laughs) (laughs) it is the most anticipated absolutely and i i wonder why um i think because we have made um we have made like allusions to our thoughts around it Mm -hmm when we've spoken Mm -hmm. about dating, you know, all those things. And I think in multiple conversations, we've sort of 
given, you know, a teaser of what we think and how we feel around mm. purity culture. But I also think because maybe of previous opinions that we've shared about other completely unrelated things, yeah. um, perhaps the way that we have processed those thoughts and articulated the way that we think about those things has given like a different perspective. So everyone's wondering. Like, mm, but also y'all trust us too much. <laughs> Good luck, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I think um, we've mentioned it so many times before, um, but I'll say it again in case we have any new listeners: is that we we never claim to know all the things, you know. Mm-hmm. So what we are sharing, what we we we've. Um, we've referred to it as fragments our thoughts are fragmented and we were sharing like from our experience you know mm-hmm. and um, our journey and yeah so it's so yeah <laughs> we in no way claiming to know all the things related to purity culture yes but so Bula do you want to tell us what purity culture is I Just want to get on. my bearings before I tell you oh I need to find my mobile device has the answer guys it's one of those days but here we go what is purity culture also when i get tired i start speaking in <laughs> the british accent oh wow okay. i know i don't understand myself either but okay purity culture okay so the good old google defines purity i'm trying to look for okay here's one it also somehow speaks about britain which is interesting because i've just said what i said purity culture was built on an established religious ethic um, of sexual abstinence until marriage but it came to encompass a subculture in american evangelical christianity centered around maintaining sexual purity Um, And then it goes on to say, during this period, a prolific industry of purity-themed Bibles, rallies, and books emerged. Sales of purity rings increased. One is a symbol of commitment to sexual purity. Purity pledges were signed by teenagers and young adults to demonstrate their vow of of, of abstinence. So this speaks about this period that existed in the 1990s and the 2000s. Um, It describes purity culture as a Christian movement which reached mm. its height in this time. Um, so it's very interesting that they think, particularly that there's a reference to a period, because I think I also mentioned to you that I watched a conversation that Jackie Hill Perry has with her husband. Um, they were speaking mm. on what they wish they knew about sex. And when she described purity culture, she also referred to it as, as a period in time. So I wonder um, whether or not it is still a culture that is, prevalent in this day and age you know I wonder but yes that would be the definition I don't know if you want to add anything to it um yeah I'd like to add um not necessarily a definition but an explanation that I once heard um Joe Lumen um having like she was having a conversation on purity culture and this is how she explained it and I thought it was um or well, I loved the way that she explained it so I'm going to share it um mm. she was I'm going to but I'm paraphrasing <laughs> this mm. is what I remember from the conversation um is that the purity culture is the idea that our sexuality and the purity of our bodies is connected to one another 
Mm. And that mm. is one way of existing that makes you pure. And that one way, and there's a one, there's one way of expressing your sexuality that makes you pure. Mm. And that one way is inside a heterosexual marriage exclusively. Mm. Um, and within the confinements of uh, heterosexual marriage, can one have healthy sexuality? Mm. So, um, so it doesn't matter how healthy or unhealthy the relationship inside the marriage is, but be- solely because it's inside a marriage, the sexuality is seen as pure mm. uh, and a heterosexual marriage. Mm. Um, and anything that any um, expression of sexuality outside of that is mm-hmm. regarded as impure. As impure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was was very interesting. Um, do you want to tell us about your experience with purity culture? I think do you think, I, you think purity culture has affected your life? <laughs> I grew up in the black church of Jesus Christ. <laughs> so I feel like that definitely answers the question, you know, whether or not... Mm-hmm. I think I was raised on Jesus, purity culture, and other such things that um, were held in very high esteem in 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 um, in Black Church. I what I was going to say is that I just opened another article, which is very interesting because it mentions Josh Harris. Josh Harris oh, yeah. is the guy who wrote "I Kissed Dating Goodbye," um, "Girl Meets Boy." I read all of those. Okay, um, I read all of this, and and what this is happening what this article says is that Josh Harris posted on Instagram that he and his wife are separating, um, Mm. particularly because Josh Harris is considered a foundational influence on purity culture. The announcement has left people like very critical of him and what he had to say and all those things um, in his books. But yes, I did read I Kissed Dating Goodbye. I did read Boy Meets Girl when he met his wife. Um, Yeah, I read all of those things. So that does tell you a lot about my Christian faith, my upbringing, and the influence of purity culture. Um, I was raised in in a Pentecostal African church, and it doesn't get more strict and sometimes more, quote-unquote, religious than that. You know, both Pentecostal and African um because there's they in in that setting at least for me there was no room to ask questions you this is what we say and this is what you do you know there's no line to sort of a eh, figure out so in that space um a very big conversation that was had with us as as young believers or as younger children you know who 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 believed in Jesus was you know to stay away from from the opposite sex in our case to stay away from boys um to stay away from dating until we are old enough you know you must there's there's this fear that is instilled in you you know stay away from boys because um there's there's only bad things that can happen um, when girls and boys relate to one another prematurely. But another layer of, of, of that conversation was that um, when you become of age, whatever that is, because I don't know that that was ever particularly defined, um, what then would happen is that the boy in church would have to court you, you know, as the girl, whatever that means. Today, I don't really subscribe to that terminology. Comes, I'm like, we're just trying to, you know, it's pie in the sky. What are you, re- what, what? I don't know, but that's just me. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I don't get it. 
Um, so then, you know, the, the, the boy would have to court the girl. You would have to sort of present the, um, your interests in one another to um, the, the church leadership. Um, and, 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 and again, there was this whole thing around, no, Christians don't date. Um, you know, you caught to be married. Um, so even with this whole, you know, remain pure, remain pure, remain pure. First of all, it's don't date. And then it's don't have sex, don't have sex, don't have sex. Um, and all of this conversation is meant to be around preserving or protecting your purity. Um, but when you do get to an age when you, I guess, are eligible to date, whatever that age may be, I can't tell you specifically, the conversation then becomes, okay, let the church leadership know that this boy is interested in you, you're interested in them. And then the conversation must quickly um, escalate towards, okay, marriage. Mm. Um, so we are taught that, I guess, the how you maintain your purity is by, you know, getting married. Um, when you become of age, it's that whole, um, if you burn, marry situation that I think, I think that's what the, that's how the white church, you know, interpreted what the black church was saying to us. You're not allowed to date. You're not allowed to date. You're not allowed to date. But then somehow, hurry up and marry. <laughs> um, so, even though it wasn't necessarily described as purity culture in those mm. words, what the essence of what was being taught to us is, 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 is at the very heart of, of, of the purity culture. You know, um, there was a very big, um, there was an emphasis on sexual purity, but that the sexual purity was purity of your whole entire life. Um, so, there, because there was this major emphasis, there was always like a stigma around um, mm. young girls and boys who maybe did have sex outside of marriage, more so the girls than the boys, right? Because usually these girls would, would fall pregnant because again, you're Christian, you're taught more than anything to never have sex outside of the context of marriage. So you know nothing about contraceptives. There is no sexual education. So when you do slip up, um, you have no contraceptive methods and then these girls end up being pregnant and then they are ostracized sort of from the faith community. So I served on the worship team even at a young age. So girls who were on the worship team with us that would, you know, fall pregnant and the church would find out they would, you know, be ostracized um, from the team. They would, they can no longer be a part of the things and whether or not the, 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 the guys that they were um, intimate with were in the church, there were very little ramifications for them. Um, so, how that influenced me um, is that, like I, I've mentioned on this platform multiple times, that I was a rule-keeping kid. You know, if my parents said it, I believed it, and I did it. Um, I was never one to toe the line. Um, this was one of those things for me, you know, where even before I read the scriptures myself um, about marriage and sex and all those things I believed them to be true because they were taught to me in the way that they were taught to me um and it became sort of like a not to do list you know you, you know there are those things as a Christian maybe when are you are very different we've all established you grow up Christian <laughs> there are very many things that you don't do 
and this was on the very big list of you don't do and and there was so much fear even around like the conversation you know I had no understanding I had no room to ask questions at least I felt like I couldn't ask questions about anything but you don't do this and it felt like um all the adults in church and all the the older mamas and whatever that they were trying to protect you from sex because you know lest you become impure um so yeah I think that would be me in a nutshell Wow, that's a lot. I have so many questions. One question at a time. Um, so what do you think that what do you think is the root of um of the way that sex and sexuality was approached in the church that you grew up in? Like was it do you think it was all rooted in trying to be obedient to what they believed the scripture was was requiring mm. because I'm thinking of um like the the shunning of are you shunning <laughs> very loosely but like um ostracizing of the the girls that may get pregnant and all like what do you think what purpose did that um did that have um I think you think it, I think it was obedience and fear um, fear for like instilling fear in the young girl generation. Fear of what would happen if you disobeyed. Okay. Um, as a Christian, so I think I think at the I think it is birthed. I, maybe I'm being generous, and but I think rightfully so. Right, I think it is birthed originally out of this reverence for this holy God. Um, so I think that's where it stems from, but this reverence then becomes this, this fear. Um, but what then happens with this fear is that the, like it's a debilitating fear because you, you then cannot make mistakes. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And so what mm. then happens is that you teach other people that you cannot make this mistake. Um, but we all know that the only thing that that does is, is create this forbidden fruit sort of situation, right? Where children who are not as rule keeping or as scared of, of taking risks as I am, they want to know this person is not telling me the whole picture, but they are definitely like, you know, destroying this idea of sex in my mind. So I want to know what it is about this thing excuse me. And that happens a lot. Um, but I think, I think it's fear. I think it is. I also think there, a lot of it is, I don't know whether to say a miseducation or a lack of education, um, around the whole idea of sex and sexuality, right? Because purity culture then becomes the only sexual education that is available in church. The only thing that you will get taught about sex in church is abstinence until marriage. Um, and, and, and with the whole purity culture, the teachings around purity culture is there's this expectation that when you get married, because you have abstained, because you have been pure, because you have honored God with, with your celibacy, your abstinence, you will get into marriage and then you will have the greatest um, sex life ever. 
Mm-hmm. But the reality is, if all you know about sex is abstinence, when you get married, there is no switch that can automatically mm-hmm. flip, you know? And I think because of the sphere and this miseducation or the lack thereof, there is a demonization of, of mm-hmm. sex itself. You know, it becomes this bad thing because you are teaching um, people to stay away from it unless they're married. So there's this demonization, you know, even how it's spoken of, you are impure, you know, you become dirty, the whole notion of soul ties and you're giving bits of yourself, you know, you 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 have spiritual partners, all these things that are, are spoken of around the idea of sex that you then get married as a Christian girl. Um, and I mean, I'm not married, so I don't entirely know, but I've heard many a conversation um, in, 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 in this regard that those people that then get married have spent their whole lives demonizing sex in their minds that now they're married and it's quote unquote permissible, but like this thing is still bad in my mind. So how do I, you know, um, but yeah, so I think fear, I think fear but I think ultimately I would say it would it would probably have been birthed from a reverence. But and there are many factors in my space. It was an African Pentecostal church. We know that African fem well, not we know it's gen it's very general, but generally, um African families, African societies, African communities, black by African, I mean black is that but also specifically african you know of the of of the continent there is there's a very like family structures are very hierarchical there's very little like open communication and there are also very strong patriarchal values that influence those things so i think those things also stemmed into the way um i was taught what i was taught because of the context Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, is a lot. I I I wonder I how you would. Have, I wonder how you would have handled any of it. Is what I was going to say, really, because I think I would have been kicked out of the church. Probably, <laughs> probably, probably, probably. Um, uh, uh, it's a lot. <laughs> Welcome. My mind is racing at the moment. Um, just because. I grew up very differently. Mm-hmm. Um, I've mentioned in previous episodes that I didn't grow up in the church. Um, I got saved when I was 21, you know, when mm-hmm. I went to varsity. I started going to church in at varsity by myself. Um, so I didn't grow up, yeah, I, did, I didn't grow up in a, with, in a, with a family that went to church. And so a lot of... Um, my morals and like my moral compass was not necessarily the church you know mm-hmm. um so I don't I don't think I grew up with, with purity culture at all mm-hmm. um I you know looking back I'm realizing that like my parents um were were quite liberal as well mm-hmm. um because my parents um they really like they prioritized body autonomy and agency like in mm. our household mm-hmm. um so which is so incredible me, so with with conversations around like and also my parents yeah and not not even just um body autonomy just like autonomy in general because 
in my household, like you can ask questions, you can mm-hmm. talk back, you can you can voice your opinion. Like it's we it was always like we always had open conversations about everything and sex was never a taboo conversation Mm. so I I I felt um that I could go to my parents with questions and Mm. um or whatever and um and my parents like I think in addition to like to bodily autonomy to body autonomy my parents also uh, really prioritized consent when it when we had conversations around sex Mm. um like I remember just a random example, like growing up, like if family members or friends wanted to like give me a hug, they had mm. to ask for permission. That's you know, amazing. they had to ask for permission. And if I said no, that was the end of the conversation. You there was no, but this is so and so, this is family. This is, mm. you know, it was like, no, she doesn't want to hug you. And and it kind of it ends there. So like consent was very, very big. Um, so like language like saving yourself for marriage or saving yourself for a husband weren't things that were said to me um and I think um I think I I get physically sick if someone tells me like saving yourself for a husband um (laughs) yeah and the the focus like the focus growing up on was was on what was safe what was healthy for Mm. me emotionally and physically Mm. um yeah, so that's that's my experience growing up. But then I got saved. Mm, <laughs> at your very big and age. Then, mm-hmm. And then um, I started going to church, mm. and um, and I think I I picked up on on principles of purity culture. Mm-hmm. I won't say that you know that it affected me in its totality, but like there are certain like aspects. Mm. um that I would say that I like that I adopted in my life and mm-hmm. would you care oh. to share those aspects um wait let me think about it and then okay. I'll come back to that okay. <laughs> what are your thoughts um, I need to order my thoughts I need to order, on, my order thoughts. your thoughts yeah so so my uh, my perception of purity culture is has always been from um, a point of view of an adult, you know, because mm. I've only ever experienced it as an adult, as mm-hmm. over twenty-one. Yeah, and and you know, you speak about like maybe reverence to God and trying to be obe- wanting to be obedient uh, to Scripture as the root of of purity culture, but. Mm-hmm. Looking at my own experience, <laughs> I actually don't even think that. Like, I really think that the root of it is possibly like just control. Mm. Um, because even when we look at how girls are are shamed or fear is instilled in girls compared to boys, mm. like boys are given more room to make mistakes and they're mm. given more room to even express their sexuality. Like there's always growing up with conversations, there's always, there's almost like this expectation that boys will want to have sex, you know, mm. but mm-hmm. girls, the, the, even the, the thought of wanting to have sex is, is this shame on that. Mm. Um, so boy, and, and even like, even after marriage, I just think of the way that uh, the pastors like talk about their wives from even like from platform. Mm. There's a, I don't I don't know I'm if um, the most beautiful woman in the world. Okay. Yeah, not even the smoking hot wife. People say that's smoking. Yes, smoking. <laughs> I, I was gonna say that's only the beginning. <laughs> um, so I think 
Mm. Yeah, so like this um, desire and um, like affection, like um, men and boys are almost, okay, not boys, men are like encouraged to, mm. to, to be expressive in that way, mm. whereas women are, are, um, are encouraged more to be like more meek and, mm. And, mm. And, and it almost feels like purity has a look you know, it's mm. not necessarily just about actions, but it's also about a look and that meekness and innocence and um, inexperience. Uh, it's just, it's a lot. So for me, it, it, it seems like it's rooted in control in, um, yeah. <laughs> I think it's interesting that you mention um, the, there's something that you mentioned, I think it's the differences with the girls and the boys, you know, that boys are almost encouraged to do it. And I think, honestly, in my younger years, even though, because the girls would be the ones that fall pregnant, so there would be more guilt and shame on the girls' parts because, you know, the, the reality of pregnancy would make them visibly, quote-unquote, sinful. You know, it's like, oh, now we can see mm-hmm. the manifestation of your, quote-unquote, well, your sin, quote unquote, depending mm. on where you fall in the conversation. Um, so the boys, I guess, were scot-free in that sense, right? Um, mm. Because unless you had a conversation with the girl and knew who they were with, you had no idea. You know, it could be anyone, mm. but it could be no one as well. So the boys were, I guess, led off in that sense. But in terms of the teachings and everything and like the who, it was all of us. Mm-hmm. it was at least in 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 those spaces it was definitely all of us but I do think because while I grew up in a black African Pentecostal church when I made my own decisions you know thank you Jesus um I went to a um a more western um a a a, a white-led church right mm. was multicultural in 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 um demographic of the people that would attend the church right but it was a white-led church and and it was there where I was where there were purity teachings and we signed purity pledges <laughs> and all of those things and while there was like a similar thread right with what I had been taught growing up in 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 my black Pentecostal church and, and what I was being taught here, um, there were also like slight differences. Um, and, and it, it was, I think at the time I didn't register it as control, you know, I registered Mm -hmm. it again as like, you know, this is what the Bible says, this is the right thing to do and all of that stuff, but there is an air of control because I remember the pastor would, 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 would sort of want to do, would dictate in his messages, um, the, the, the correct age for people to start dating, you know, you, you know, he was very, very insistent about the dating age because, um, anything younger than that, you know, nothing, you know, mm-hmm. so then it became widely acceptable in that congregation or in that community of faith that this is the age, um, that you date and then also there was like um things like how you date you know now there's this whole dictating thing 
excuse me, about how people are meant to date. You da, 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 you do this, you do this, you do that, you do this. Da, da. There's this whole, you know, but it's all being determined by this one person based on what they consider to be right, you know, based on what they would deem a best practice and not necessarily based on what scripture says, right? Because let's be honest, the Bible says nothing about dating, um, and somehow we have created so many doctrines around dating, right? And we have sort of um, dressed them up in this whole, this is what it takes to be pure kind of thing, right? We've dressed them up in this whole purity narrative and then we shut them down people's throats as a means to control how people do, how people, you know, date and how people make their way towards marriage so to speak right because we know the bible speaks about marriage and 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 doesn't necessarily prescribe the method you know leading up to it um but but somehow in our christian communities we have created these these um do's and don'ts you know all in the name of purity culture we've created best practices we've created like i mentioned earlier where in in the black church they would say where in the white church you're allowed to date in the black church there's no dating you must court you know so we've created these things and i think those things that have been created as a result of this purity movement i would say those things are definitely um stem from like control Mm-hmm. And and wanting to control um, people's ways of thinking and doing and believing and being, and and you say it's scriptural, but what is the scriptural reference? I.e., soul ties where? Tell me what you mean. Exactly. Mm. I also think that it it um the control is for the benefit of of the man, um and and I think that the it's also like goes back to I think you mentioned it that. It's rooted in like patriarchal um, principles and whatever, because Mm. even if we look at like the sexual abuse that happens in church, um, that, oh, okay, no, let me, let me backtrack a little bit. I think that the, the purity culture or purity principles that are emphasized Mm. are seldom for the protection of girls, you mm. know, because even mm-hmm. like you mentioned that like the girls, um, the, the girls that fall pregnant are the ones that carry the evidence of the, the quote unquote sin. Mm. Um, and, but why is it not investigated? Like who, who they had sex with, especially if it's a young girl, because, mm. because I feel like oh, it should, consent, there should yeah. be that, 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 yeah, that, that inclination to protect that. Okay. This is a young girl. This is a vulnerable human being. Mm. So was their consent, you know, was the mm. manipulation, what was, but instead they shame the girl, like, you know, the girl's mm. the one who, who has to carry the shame. And That's even true. when they, when there is sexual abuse within, and it's known to be sexual abuse, um, it's so, the, 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 the victim it is still carries accept- that shame. But it's also not accepted as sexual abuse. I think the inclination, as you're mentioning, is more likely you have sex and that can very quickly become the end of the conversation. Um, which is what you're also like alluding to rather than finding out, you know, did you consent to this? Were you okay with this? You know? Mm. Um, Mm. But but even when, even when the, it's clear and the, 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 the victim has stated that there was no consent, there's always, um, or not always, let me not say always often Mm. the, 
the perpetrator of the abuse is given, especially if the perpetrator is a man, is given mm. so much more grace. Mm. Especially if it's a man that's in power, because it'll be like, oh, you know that um, <laughs> the devil will tempt you, or there's mm. temptation there. Mm. You had a, a fall from grace or moral failing or whatever. Like we try to cushion it and not call it what it actually is, which is mm. abuse and uh, abuse mm. of power. Mm. And um, it's just nah. I'm I'm not a fan of purity culture. I just feel that mm. it is there to serve the patriarchal structure that exists in the church. I think as well. Um, what makes it harder on the girls um is it are the analogies that are used you know around yeah. it um they i recently watched a video and i shared this with you in our previous <laughs> in our <laughs> recording attempt number one um about i was i was watching videos you know knowing that we're gonna have this conversation i'm wanting to see what the youtube is saying about about purity culture and there was this analogy given and uh, one of the teachings around purity culture was this lady teaching young kids um, with an analogy of a chocolate you know like a, a slab of chocolate and she was saying that um the the girl you know the girl the chocolate represents the the female child right the whole slab of chocolate and with every sexual interaction there is a block of chocolate that is sort of taken away you know a, a block is sort of consumed so to speak right so you start with the full slab and then you have sexual interactions and then piece by piece by piece by piece by piece and then you end up just being this broken um you know block of chocolate as opposed to this whole human being that God has created you to do I mean to be rather so there is this there there is a lot of shame and 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 stigma attached to these things another thing that I was taught is is as the female um what I think the males are the people oh yeah, yeah yeah so as the female the male withdraws from you um the or something weird like that. I can't remember if you make the deposit or the males will throw from you or whatever. But the analogy was that, let's say, you know, you are this human being and um, whether it's in you or let's say the amount that represents you or whatever, just, you know, in the case of analogies, mm. you're a thousand rand at the start of your whole life. And then with every you know, sexual interaction that you have with a man, there's a withdrawal from you, you know? And so by the time you meet your husband, you started at one thou, but now you are at 550, you know? <laughs> and That's madness. With every <laughs> sexual partner that you have, you know, the amount decreases. Um, but there's also never this conversation about, um, so you make the mistake and then what? You know, there's mm -hmm. not there's not the conversation about grace for those kinds of sins. There's not the the conversation of of healing and um and sort of undoing the shame. You know, once you've fallen into um you know once you've done that, there's no conversation around um like repairing your identity because I feel like there's so much shame attached to it that you people struggle with themselves afterwards you know you struggle with mm. with with and then yeah sorry go for it like the I feel like 
this purity culture creates such a um it like it almost it creates room for the struggle you know mm-hmm. and then we label the struggle soul ties but hello you taught me that this thing is shameful so mm-hmm. the moment i do have sex and and i now i'm like struggling with the with the ramifications of what i've done and mm-hmm. now it's like it's soul ties or you know but also like if you've done it and you you know you have had the experience and now you're struggling it's one thing we can call a soul ties but the reality is there's no conversation around um like feelings and stuff that your body will grow to have yeah right so then you grow when your body starts to have those things and now it's like what is happening to me right and and if you have been very indoctrinated around this you know around around sex and 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 all those things around sex as 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 a de, like as demonized and weaponized as 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 a thing of that nature, then you even start to regard those those normal sensations of your body or those normal desires, you know, or those hormonal changes in your body. You can start to demonize those things, right? Mm. Because you have, we are not afforded the opportunity to understand how our bodies function, how God created these bodies to function Absolutely. without first demonizing it, right? Because we sexualize our bodies. That's that's what we're taught. We are taught to sexualize the body. We're taught to sexualize sort of all these things. And in sexualizing them, then we're taught to stay away because it is bad, right? And then you grow up, you know, you are now, in, the, in our case, you are 30, <laughs> you know, and no one has said anything to you about the actual reality of how your body functions, right? And what it looks like to be 30 and unmarried, you know, how, what, what, what abstinence looks like as you continue to grow older, you know, Um, because when you are 12 and you, your body is one way, it's different to when you are 30 and your body is a whole completely whole game, right? But what purity culture has, taken away in our church communities is the opportunity for a healthy sexual education and I think that's one of my biggest gripes with the whole thing is that rather than being forthcoming with 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 information that is true um in terms of like biology and all those things scientifically you know instead of giving honest and true and helpful information we have taken away any conversation around sex that doesn't say abstain um and then we find our young girls in in situations where they don't know what consent is where they don't know that if the older guy in church you know tells them to do this and this and this it is rape you know we don't know that um what 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 stis and stds are you don't know about anything about contraceptives. You just don't know all these things because the only lesson that you've ever been taught is stay away. Um, and I just feel like it's so unhealthy. Yeah, I think um, I agree completely that um, purity culture creates almost this expectation that the opposite of purity culture is having no sexual ethic. Mm. Um, and I think that it's, so it's absolutely possible to have a sexual ethic outside of purity culture. Mm. And um, oh, there's something else I wanted to say, but I forgot now. Um, uh, I forgot. 
regards. But yeah, I also I agree. I agree completely that also the um, the way that that like Christian communities like um, emphasize or hold marriage to such a high esteem, mm. I feel that it, as you said, that it leaves those that are unmarried kind of on the <laughs> in the margins because mm-hmm. it's like, okay so where do you actually like where do you or, or it like it almost creates this expectation that you need to you need to desire marriage you know mm-hmm. and um and and work towards marriage because that's where you you'll get fulfillment and because, mm-hmm. and and we we I mentioned it in the in the previous recording how like um i was also watching a few videos um in anticipation of this recording on purity culture and a lot of a lot of language that was used was that um this is the pinnacle of intimacy you know Mm. that there is there is nothing more intimate than having sex and Mm. and i i think that can be true for some people but i think in gen in general terms (laughs) i don't think that that's accurate because um probably as physically intimate as you can but in terms of like emotional and mental intimacy that Mm. can be obtained from other relationships and relationships that aren't necessarily uh, prioritized within the christian communities and so those that are not married and are not um you know that aren't married are almost left um or, or made to feel like you have to like there's something more in store for you, you know, mm. like you can't be content with the relationships that you have in your life. And I just, I think that there's such a, and it just, I feel like it just goes back to control. Like there's such a emphasis on, on sex. Like why is it, um, because I mean, there's so many other, like there's the Bible talks about so many other uh, sins, but mm. this one is the one that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much shame is is put on and and even as you mentioned that like oftentimes the the concept of grace isn't even discussed when we talk about people that have had sex outside mm, of marriage mm-hmm. believe that that is a sin like it's it, and like your chocolate so <laughs> where, where does grace come restoration exactly exactly you know when there's the, my chocolate the pieces of chocolate are all over <laughs> mm. where, does, where does grace come in it's just, it's just wild. It's a very interesting thing um, because obviously the teachings around grace usually are very minimal in that regard. So then when there are people who stumble, um, then the church sort of doesn't know what to do with them. Mm. So there is an, like we ostracize you and then what? Mm. Um, so it's just a very weird there's something that you said which I forgot can I just say one thing I think that um, I I keep going back to this whole control thing because now I think I've had this epiphany that this is all about control because even the people (laughs) that are are very fired up they they, the people that are ostracized are left vulnerable you know even more so if, if you feel like this person in your your definition of sin and whatever like mm. if you feel like this person has fallen like would you not want to protect that person like how does mm. ostracizing them mm-hmm. so what purpose does it serve mm. so it, it's not even about like i just i don't know 
I just I can't I can't wrap my mind around how anything purity culture or how purity culture serves any other purpose other than control Mm. yeah and also I think it creates a lot of fear yeah around the idea of sex around um the idea of of sin even sin sexual sin in this case but and 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 it promises falsely mm. that if you tick these correct boxes um you will be rewarded with the best sex of your life when yeah. you are married um, because what I have continued to hear in many such conversations, um, and, and I, I was recently watching, um, it was, I think, a couch conversations that Black Love has. And it was a conversation with, 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 with three married couples that particularly grew up churchy you know, and they were speaking about the influence of, of the church on their marriages today. And the common thread with all three married couples is that there is still so much unlearning that they have to do now as they are married, because mm. for the longest time they were taught, you know, um, very harshly about sex. And they were taught very harshly um, mm. about how abstinence is the only form of purity, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That now that they are married, it is very hard for them to sort of divorce the idea um, yeah. that, that sex is this horrible thing um, and, and start to see it as this beautiful thing in their marriage. Because the reality is there is no switch that is flipped, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's, there's one particular couple, I think they've been married for 18 years. And the wife was saying, I am still having to do the work today. Like mentally, emotionally, I still have to do the work because she has found that in, 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 the, in, in their sex life with her husband, that she is not, she cannot like access that freedom that her husband mm. so easily can because she is still somewhere in the back of her mind. She is still hearing those, you know, older Christian ladies and, 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 and those women, right. That are telling her to stay away from this thing because it is so bad yet somehow when you get into marriage, it becomes so good. So I think yeah. exactly it is flawed in that sense as well, because in one minute it's bad. And then the next minute it's meant to be so good and so pure and, you know, oh my gosh, then, because it goes from being like this horrible thing that you should stay away from to now you are married. This is the biggest ministry of your marriage. You know, serve your husband, go all out, do all the things. You're like, when, how did we go from this absolute abomination, you know, that causes people to be ostracized from their faith communities to this, oh my gosh, the pinnacle of your life, you know, the pinnacle of your marriage, this most amazing, incredible thing to be sought after. Like what, how, 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 how is that even one thing? (laughs) You know, how is that even one thing? And how am I meant to process it as one thing? when it Mm. is taught to me like on such opposite ends of the spectrum, you know? Mm. So that's one thing that I'm like, "Mm, I'm really not sure, you know, what you're trying to tell me because there's no amount of counseling that you can counsel me in premarital counseling um, that will undo the effects of what the purity culture teachings have done to me in my childhood. But also the notion of um, saving yourself for a husband 
or saving yourself for a man, saving yourself for someone that you don't know, saving yourself for someone that you have no idea that you will ever meet. I'm like, if you're going to teach me abstinence, you know, if you're going to teach me what you believe the word of God says, it better be obedience unto God. It better be my body, um, you know, me utilizing and carrying my body in a way that will glorify God and not as a means to wait for a husband, right? But I, I think also that is centered around the over-glorification of marriage in, in, in Christian communities. And I think that's what I wanted to say because you're talking about, you mentioned something about marriage earlier and you said something about how does it tie in with, but I think the tie is that there's this over-glorification of marriage. You know, you must marry, you must marry, you must marry, you must marry, you must marry. So even when the teachings around abstinence um, and, and purity, it is you are pure because you are saving yourself for your husband, because marriage is the goal, you know, because why wouldn't you get married? Because there's something wrong with those people. And this is all in inverted commas, by the way, that don't get married in the Christian community. And that is highly problematic for me, at least. <sighs> all of this is just so wild. It's so, so wild because I think, um going back to like what we discussed last episode about <laughs> prosperity gospel mm. and how um like the the essence of prosperity gospel is is that certain things are blessings or whatever are a reward for obedience mm. and i think that um purity culture kind of creates the same expectation you know mm. that for, for your obedience you will get married or you will um, have a healthy marriage a, a fruitful marriage whatever it is like that that there is a reward in store for you for your obedience mm. and I think that also like it creates um it creates expectations that that are possible not to be made. Like it can, it can happen that you don't get married, you know, Absolutely. or it happens that you, you get married and then you get divorced. When, and then what do you do with that? That's the thing. And, it's, it's now how do we reconcile these things that happen as a result of real life? Um, yeah, exactly. Because we've promised exactly. people things based on what we think, you know, based on how we have interpreted the scriptures or what we think God would do. Again, based yeah. on things such as, um, prosperity sort of thinking and theology yeah yeah what then do you do when someone gets married when someone has abstained you know until they got married then they got married and things didn't work out now they get divorced mm -hmm. what do you say to that person when yeah. all you've taught them is marriage is the prize you're gonna have the basics of your life mm -hmm. marriage 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 and then they got there and the experience of marriage was far from what you taught. And now they've, you know, abstained their whole lives, but marriage didn't work out the way that it was promised to them. Absolutely. Then what? It's just, then what? When we don't have, we don't have theology or doctrine for that. So then those people are also left on the sidelines trying to navigate the disappointment of this unmet expectation by themselves mm -hmm. because things like this aren't aren't often discussed in church settings. Um, 
Absolutely. And the thing is the un, the expectation or the reward, the promises um, around purity culture, you know, those that are steeped in this prosperity way of thinking, they are not given by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. <laughs> they are not sort of explicitly declared by the scriptures, you know, they are things and rewards that our church communities promise people based on how they have interpreted what the scripture says, not based on what the scripture says, based on how, you know, they have interpreted and read into what scripture says. And so when people then experience these things that are less than what they've been promised and they have a faith crisis, it is unfortunate that the crisis is a faith crisis with God because God is never the one who made these false claims, Mm -hmm. but rather that it is people who have done this. Yeah, Mm. so true. I think, (laughs) I think, um, something that I really appreciate with the way that I grew up is Mm. the ability to develop a sexual ethic outside of purity culture. Mm. And um, I have mentioned that I think, I really think it's important to, to realize that the, the opposite of purity culture is not um, the lack of a sexual ethic. You know, they can be, a sexual ethic outside of purity mm. culture. Maybe explain what um, you mean by social ethic, a sexual ethic rather. Um, I don't know how to explain it, but I can give an example. Something like consent. Like consent mm-hmm. is a sexual ethic, mm-hmm. you know. Um, um, so, and also something that when we think of ethics, we think of things that are right, mm. that are like just, um, that are legal mm-hmm. and that um yeah that are the right thing to do Mm. um so i think that you can develop that from from scripture um outside of purity culture because i feel Mm. like purity culture um the the essence of impurity is what i have a problem with Mm. and 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 i also think that um (laughs) i also think that the evangelical church is not necessarily the best moral compass in the world Yeesh. you know uh, I, think I had no that, idea that uh, you would go there <laughs> I had okay. no idea that I would go there we're here tell us more <laughs> this is where we are at um you know like and even just looking and you know the, it, it was you mentioned in the beginning how purity culture like the movement started Mm. in I think you said in the UK and then America the American church adopted it or whatever like if we look at what these churches have have um have once claimed as impure you know like something like an interracial marriage was Mm. was once Mm. deemed impure Mm. so Mm. um they are not you know they don't necessarily it shouldn't be standard (laughs) so it should be we should um i think that it's important for me for me in in developing my own like sexual ethic it's it's important to um to firstly understand like read and interpret scripture 
mm. um, in context, especially like scripture, like if you're burning, if your loins are burning, get married. Mm. Like that doesn't mean now that every person that I'm sexually attracted to, I need to like the first person I'm sexually attracted to, I need to go marry them mm. because I'm now burning. Um, and I, I, and it also like, again, it creates, um, and okay, another thing when it comes to sexual ethic, it's for me, that's important is, is, um, justice and protecting those that are vulnerable mm. um so I think that yeah that's why like for that's why I say that um for me purity culture is, is more about control rather than actually protecting because I feel like there is the there is no um the the protection of those that are vulnerable is not it's not emphasized or it's not prioritized mm. um so yeah, so those are like kind of the things that I think about when I think of a sexual ethic. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and also the, the life that Jesus modeled, you know, mm. and, and and as you said that it's a, you you are being obedient unto God, not, mm. not and, and for the purpose of being obedient, you know, for the, not for the purpose of, of gaining a reward mm. or, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So, <sighs> Yeah, that's that's what I mean in a nutshell. <laughs> I get it. Uh, but I also think, as you were speaking, I was thinking about the fact that um, you and I and just how different our upbringings have been. You know, my mm-hmm. church upbringing and this whole, you know, abstinence, abstinence, abstinence teaching. And your upbringing on the opposite side of the spectrum Um where you didn't have this mess of anyone screaming abstinence into you, but yet you were developing such a healthy sexual ethic even outside of the purity culture teaching. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that speaks case in point that you can have um, a healthy sexual ethic outside of purity culture because I don't think for me it created a healthy sexual ethic. You know, it just said to me, don't do it. And I couldn't. Yeah even fathom to yeah. think about anything around it I couldn't even think why I couldn't even think you know th- mm. what I the, what what in, in instead was somehow instilled in me or rather was was a was an effect of of of, of being taught what I was taught is that I there was judgment for those people that stumbled you know in that sense mm. Um, mm. and that that became the thing like a there was like a sort of an air of judgment around those people that were that did not uphold this standard of purity and then those that have you know there's just this great esteem around them um, which I don't think is healthy at all um, yeah yeah so I and think, even inside yeah like I think even um, again like it leaves people vulnerable even inside marriage you know, mm-hmm. because you'll like it's you know it's possible to tolerate abuse and sexual abuse inside marriage because you think that oh, but we are married, you know, mm. so all expression of of sexuality within the confines of a heterosexual marriage is pure, is healthy, is what I am required to do. Mm. Which I think, even though in terms of purity culture, that relationship is pure, I think that that lacks sexual ethic you know that's why like that's another way that we can distinguish between (laughs) purity culture and sexual ethic Mm. and that even when you meet the requirements of purity culture it can still 
lack, lack a sexual, sexual ethic. ethic. Yeah, that's very, very true. That's absolutely true. Um, and I, I, I also think what purity culture teaches is not always consistent with what the Bible teaches. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's my challenge. Yeah. Um, teaching yeah. people about soul ties when there's no biblical <laughs> reference for soul ties. Um, wanting to prescribe the way that people should date and even the way that people should marry. You know, we've spoken mm-hmm. about the westernization of, 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 of marriage. You know, in the church, there's this whole thing that marriage happens when a pastor has prayed over the couple or by the blessings or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Um, yet there is no such prescription in the Bible. You know, there's not a thing that says, the, hus- the man and the woman must come before a pastor. You must say vows. There are no such things that have been prescribed by the Bible. You know, if anything, what mm-hmm. we do see is, is, is different um, ceremonies or different ways of, 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 of getting married or what we would call the wedding. Um, and, and the reason why it's different in different instances in the Bible is because of the context. You know, an Old Testament wedding um, and a New Testament wedding would be different. So the wedding feast in Cana, I think it's in John 2, would be very different, let's say, to when Jacob was marrying either Rachel or Leah. <laughs> you know, it yeah. was a completely different society. Um, is one less of a marriage than the other? I don't think so. Um, but in our westernization of the faith, we have deemed even that. And I think also that falls within the scope of purity culture, you know, mm-hmm. because you have not been blessed by the pastor. You are not sanctioned to do this and that and the other. And, and I think um, also, <laughs> praise the Lord, we've reclaimed our theology <laughs> from white supremacy a long time ago. Okay. Um, but what I was also thinking about this, um, this, this, this hurry up and if you're burning, hurry up and marry kind of situation, we, there is this insinuation or this teaching that, um, first of all, we're not telling people self-control, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're not saying, feel your feelings, learn to exercise self-control, right? Mm-hmm. And the pitfall is of that is that you get into a marriage, you're burning, you don't have consent from your partner, but you're married, mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that is dangerous because even inside of a marriage without consent, it is still, you know, um, you're still perpetrating this person. Um, but yeah. also we are saying to people, hurry up and get married as if marriage is the answer, you know, yeah. as if you're not going to face mm-hmm. any other difficulties, as if there are not things to be ironed out. A marriage becomes the solution as opposed to let's have the conversations, let's you know help each other understand the feelings that you're feeling. Let's learn mm-hmm. to have healthy conversations around sex that can help us to better abstain. We rather push people into marriage um, without adequately preparing them for what that next step of their life would mean. Then marriage becomes about sex. And I remember saying, um, I think it was a year or two ago, to a friend of mm. mine, I said, I don't want to get married if it's just so that I can have sex. I don't think sex <laughs> is worth marrying for. Like Justin, 
the commitment that I understand marriage to be. And I'm not saying I'm not, I'm not minimizing, you know, um, sex and I'm not demonizing it either. But what I'm saying is I like hurry up and burn. I'm hurry up and marry for the sake because you're burning does not make sense to me because Mm. I don't want to get into that magnitude of a commitment Mm, because mm. I want to scratch an itch. Very true. Very, very true. And I just want to um, add on to your the point about self-control. Mm. Um, I think that the... They, they, I don't even know how to phrase this, but I feel like there's a stripping away of women's humanity Mm. that that to culture does and um i think of um you know like rules that that we hear like uh two people of the opposite sex should not be traveling together or um should not like it's called the billy graham rule i don't know if you know it Mm-mm. that yeah that two people of the opposite sex should not be in a room together um or a married person should not be in, in a in a room with someone of the opposite sex who is not their spouse or things like that and oh mm-hmm. that's why uh if you travel you must travel with um a buddy or whatever you know all these things yeah, and I feel mm-hmm, like it, mm-hmm. it it almost like creates a um it, it creates it creates room for uh predatory like um behavior to flourish you know mm. because now women are see and 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 i i mentioned it about like how um men in power who 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 either like abuse or manipulate whatever um it's often seen as it's almost like oh but maybe they were tempted you know like mm. how people in in power people who have influence uh all the women flock to them and then they are tempted and and all these things and mm. it almost like just views women as like as nothing other than sex objects you know it, we stripped the humanity and and the fact that women are image bearers you know yeah. and um, even like the the girls that are shunned from churches and all these like those are people that are made in the image of God that are beloved by the Lord Jesus Christ. Like, who do we think we are that we can put shame upon sure. people that that Scripture doesn't put shame upon, or mm. or we can put these labels like sex symbol upon people that are just minding their own business, and because a man is tempted and. and we don't expect accountability from these men and and we don't expect them to exercise self-control but rather the women are the ones that are supposed to minimize themselves they're supposed to like things like um modesty like how you dress or whatever it's Mm. always like the always often the responsibility to to like the responsibility is often placed on 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 women and um and even little girls like i'll be like and the what blows my mind is that all these analogy and the teachers of purity culture are taught to children. Mm-hmm. To, like, why are we sexualizing children? Mm-hmm. Like we aren't. And oh, it's just it's the wild. It's a whole yeah. entire wild, wild, <sighs> wild, wild situation. And I, don't I mean, know. I, don't... I think it's probably important before we wrap up that we, um, make it clear that we are not saying don't abstain, 
right? We are not saying not to inquire of what the Bible says mm. and do your best to live by what, you know, we, we you know, what we um, read in the scriptures. We are saying that there are perversions of what mm. scripture intends to teach on the subject of sex and sexuality. Um, and we have taken these perversions and made doctrines out of them. And these, these, mm. these perverted doctrines then become like heavy yokes that we expect people to live by. And when they fail by those standards, um, we shun them from Christianity, but those standards were never godly to begin with. Um, mm. And what those standards do is that they do not um, teach people grace, the grace of God. You know, they do not teach people forgiveness. They do not teach um, people, they do not give people the opportunity to repent. You know, they do not give mm -hmm. us the opportunity to learn to forgive, you know, those who have sinned against us as we have been forgiven for the sins that we have committed. It, it, it just creates this fragmented um, community of believers where others get to be judgmental of those that haven't lived according to those standards. But it also mm -hmm. gives labels, you know, you are impure, you know, because you have not lived as, as we have been taught to live, you know, that one is discarded. There's even like very toxic language that is used towards women, you know, who have had um, different sexual partners, you know, um, you are used goods or whatever. Why would anyone want to marry you when, you know, you've had so many withdrawals, just such weird toxic things which I think are contrary to what our faith is about um, and so rather than holding fast and holding tight to to these um, doctrines these perverted doctrines we are advocating for 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 a teaching of the scriptures you know, um, for an understanding of the scriptures, but also that we would live the scriptures out as Jesus has lived them out with grace, mm -hmm. with love, mm -hmm. with kindness, you know, with, with a protection of the vulnerable, with, 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 with a care for those people who are in our, our um, what's the word that I'm looking for? I don't know, but who are within our reach rather. I think is, is what I'm trying to say. Um, and with that, I have no vocabulary left. <laughs> My data bundles are officially at zero. They are completed. Verbally, yeah. emotionally. Those mm -hmm. are my data bundles for the day. Any closing remarks? I'm not a fan. <laughs> I understandably so. Understandably I so. I oh, I can't I can't even like wrap my mind around all the damage that purity culture has done. Um, yeah, I don't know actually, mm. uh, and like the harm that it causes not only to like to yourself but also those around you and those that yeah that you have access to. It's just it's such a harmful concept, and mm -hmm. the fact that. Um, that it could be better, you know, that it can be better, that um, it's, yeah, that there are resources, you know, <laughs> there are resources. Mm. If anything, I think from me personally, what I, 
what I am challenging us as Christians um, to do, maybe for somebody who's listening to us for the first time, they're like, are these people even Christian? Because, you know, they, <laughs> they are dogging everything I've been taught as a Christian or whatever. We are Christian. Um, I think I can boldly speak for you too in this regard. <laughs> we are Christian. I want to speak for myself. No, you can definitely speak for yourself, but I don't think I'm wrong to say you're a Christian. No, not at all. Not at all. Okay, great. Um, and so my challenge to us as, as the Christian community is to, I think, let me first say that I think purity culture has afforded us an excuse to not actually ask questions of what the scriptures are saying, you know, about mm-hmm. abstinence and sex before marriage, about you know, Paul says it is better to marry than to burn, all those things, that rather than wanting to inquire and understand and do and do due diligence so that we actually get an interpretation that affords us a correct understanding of what is happening, we have gone mm-hmm. and taken it at face value and read our context into scripture and created doctrines such as a purity culture, which is damaging. So I'm mm-hmm. saying why don't we dig deep so that yeah. we can understand? Yeah. Mm. yeah, that's me. In response to, <laughs> to, um, to you and mm-hmm. the people listening to us and maybe wondering if we are even Christian, my question would be, why is your, your understanding, your interpretation, your expression of Christianity the standard? So I think mm. that, um, yeah, I'm not a fan of like questioning people's, um, like whether people are Christian or not. If someone says they're Christian, they are Christian, you know, mm-hmm. um, even if that Christianity looks different from yours, you are working out, you are work, walking out your own faith. You aren't working out anyone else's faith. It's your faith. Mm. Um and it's between you, Holy Spirit, and your community. Mm. And um, and my final thoughts on purity culture is that, like, I just, I find that, I think it's such a dehumanizing concept. And my my desire for, for this podcast and anybody that is listening to it is that, it, yeah, as, as you mentioned, that it inspires you, like, to dig deep and, and kind of, um, establish or determine what you know what your own sexual ethic is, and how, um, and whether you can back it up with with scripture, mm. and um, and and how and whether it it it, it adds um, what what do I want to say? Like it adds to your person, it honors your personhood, it honors your humanity, you know, it mm-hmm. honors you as a person. And it doesn't honor your um your virginity, it doesn't honor your whatever or what you can offer to someone else, like what you can offer to a, a spouse, a future spouse, or mm. or whatever it is. That that and I yeah, that I hope that that people are um encouraged that you know that they they the the fact that they are human means that they're inherently valuable you know mm. that they have value and that they, no one can take that away from you like Very no one because no one yeah. gave it to you it's mm. not something that someone gave to you so no one can take it away from you mm. um 
yeah, and you are the beloved of God. Like, amen. Amen. Please. Amen. God amen. peaked. <laughs> I always say this. I don't have God energy peaked. anymore, and you are on a hundred trillion, gazillion, <laughs> bajillion. God peaked. Amen. God peaked. You're already creating humanity. God peaked. Please. Guys, please. Um, when you have a moment, DM our TFC Instagram account and have great conversations with Edu. She is <laughs> she is all together amazing. Um, very passionate about the things she's very passionate about, but also well informed about the things that she thinks about. Um, so please, you're right. And she's very affirming. God peaked. She doesn't just affirm herself, but affirms the beloved, you know? Oh, absolutely. So, Humanity is my favorite. I love, I love human beings. Do have a conversation with Itu at TFC underscore podcast. Is that what it's called? I have it no is. idea what anything <laughs> is right now, called. guys. I just want to say it's tomorrow morning. That's all I'll say about the time of day. <laughs> It's tomorrow morning and I currently do not have any of my bearings about me, but our Instagram profile is at TFC underscore podcast. Do share with us what your thoughts and feels are around the subject of purity culture. Um, my fall for me personally, as someone who has grown up, you know, in the faith, it is an area that I have to do a lot of deconstruction about but then also have to reconstruct what a healthy sexual ethic is, you know, having to do the hard work of actually understanding what the scriptures are saying to me, you know, about this particular yeah. thing, excuse me. So I am reclaiming my theology from, from all of this that has been taught to me that has been harmful, you know, so mm. maybe you find yourself in the same boat and this is something you've, your sexual ethic is based around um, the purity culture movement and so now you are wondering, like, yeah, um, <laughs> do share those thoughts and feels with us. You know, um, this is meant to be this conversational platform where we are learning alongside one another. Um, so share with us your thoughts, your feels. Um, also, let us know what you've thought of season two of the podcast. I feel like this was a very challenging season, um, not because of the conversations, but just because of life and its demands you know so I feel I wish I don't know how you feel Itu, but I wish that I would have given it more but I didn't have <laughs> you know I'm like if I had more capacity there are so many things that I think I would have done a little bit differently but because of life I didn't have the capacity to do so um, but this is our very last episode for 2022 yeah Believe it or not, we shall Believe see you sometime in 2023. We are not making commitments because the girls, <laughs> the girls believe in Sabbath rest. The girls believe in delightful rest. And the girls are going to make the absolute most of their time of rest. Um, but it has been an incredible pleasure to have these conversations with you, Idu, and also with our broader TFC community. Um, we look forward to having even more conversations in the new year, in season three. You know, do send us feedback um, about things that we can do, 
um, more of in season three, what we can do less of, what you think about the podcast and how we can continue to to um, to develop the space. Um, yeah. I don't know if you have any other closing remarks before I call it a year. Nope. It's been a joy. It has been a joy. It has been, a, it has still felt like a safe space, which is the most amazing thing for me. Um, but have a happy Christmas. <laughs> have a happy new year. Please, we will see you when we see you. Take care. Um, be safe. And yeah, have the best time from your favorite conversationalists on the internet. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye.